This was how your day started. Started wrong. Barbara! Barbara, get up. You'll be late for school. Does she have to do this every morning, Barbara? Even if you're not really well-mannered, you could make a habit of being civil. Helen has trained herself to know what she's going to do, and she's able to match the right skirt with the right sweater. As usual, all your neighbors knew how late it was when you went by at your regular dog trot. Helen has a habit plan, and it includes a healthy breakfast and a pleasant word with her parents. And you're almost always late, and you're guilty about it. You're in a rut with a bad habit, distaste for your sloppy ways. You were embarrassed by your messy hair and the fingernails you had neglected to clean. You weren't listening. We always go to the beach. Every year we take a cottage at Essen. You couldn't help interrupting, could you? You added nothing to that conversation. <laughs> it's a little late for tears, isn't it, Barbara? Even though you didn't know it was going to happen today, you've still had your whole life to prepare for it. And now it's a little late, isn't it? I never know what is coming before I preach. Uh, how we doing, everyone? Good. It is good to see you guys here today and uh, glad uh, that you're able to join us. And uh, how many of you had a good week? Yep, some of you, no, not at all. Uh, it's been a bit of an interesting week, hasn't it? There has been... Uh, just a, a weird kind of, the, all the flooding stuff and the impact that has had. And then today, a bunch of people have been without power. We lost power at 10 a.m. We still don't have power. And uh, it's just been a weird kind of weekend. And uh, it was a little bit of an interesting week for us. Our oldest daughter, Emily, was in the hospital for the better part of the week. And it wasn't anything serious, just some tests and had to be on an IV for a little while. But what that meant was that my wife moved into the hospital this week. So I was solo dad for the week. And uh, so I'm, you know, it's, I'm, it's me, the 11-year-old, and the 9-year-old, and the 2-year-old, and the horse dog, and uh, I don't even know how many cats, one to four cats or something, just whoever shows up. And, um, and, I'm, and I'm thinking initially, like, I got this. I am a professional parent, right? I'm, I'm a responsible, that's not funny. That's not a time to laugh. I'm a grown man. And, you know, you know the, the old saying, it takes 10,000 hours to become an expert in something. Maybe you've heard that before. I've been parenting for 13 years. That adds up to like 113,000 hours. I'm an expert times 10. I should have multiple parenting books published by this point. So I got this. We're going to be okay all week long without mom. And fast forward a few hours and the kids have gotten off school. And we hop in the van to go pick up the boy from daycare in Nassus. And so we combat all that flood traffic and we finally get to Nassus. And I get a text from Jamie, who lives in Nassus, but he's back at the church. Did you forget me? <laughs> no. We'll be right there. And so we zoom on back to Marysville, zoom, and pick him up and then go back to Nassus through all that traffic. And I realize in that moment, it is a McDonald's night, kids. Night one is a McDonald's night, kids. 
And so we get McDonald's and we thought, well, while we're kind of nearby-ish to the bridge, we'll go and visit them at the hospital. And so we get to the hospital parking lot and park four light years away from the main doors. And there is McDonald's all through our van, fries and ketchup and whatever. The two-year-old's absolutely covered. And uh, so I'm like, all right, that's fine. That's fine. We're all going to have baby white baths in the van. It's going to be okay. And uh, finally get them into the parking lot. And, and the boy refuses to be held. He, will, he is at that stage now where he's like, no, I walk. I'm like, okay, but it is like a huge parking lot, cars going everywhere, and he's just start weaving in and out of traffic and out of cars, and I'm like, this is not going well. And he's, he's not even mine, really, at this point. And so, so I scoop him up, and we just start going like that, and he is ticked off, and he is flailing his legs. One of his boots goes flying, and I'm at a point where I'm like, we'll come back. We're going to come back. And so we just keep trudging ahead. And one of my daughters couldn't handle it, went back and got the boot for me. I was like, okay, thank you. Finally get into the hospital, into the elevator, and all the doors are shut. And I'm like, okay, it's safe to put you down now. It was not safe to put him down because he hit all of the buttons in the elevator. There is another gentleman in the elevator with us, and he is, like, he works out. This is a big guy. And ironically, I'm wearing my naturally fit hoodie from the gym. And so he looks at me, looks at my body, looks at my McDonald's bag. And, like, you know, I know the judgment's going on. And it doesn't help that he just hit all the buttons. This guy hit all the buttons. So he's not pleased with me. But I, I, I try to give him my best, like, if you judge me, I will punch you right now in this moment. Look. And uh, anyway, at that moment, <laughs> the two-year-old hits the emergency phone call button in the elevator. But our door opens to our floor, so I just left. I don't know what happens when you hit that button. We did not stay to find out. And so we finally get to the hospital room, and... Uh, She's got one all to herself, and it's nice. They've renovated them. It's like, oh, this is a nice spot. This is good. We're safe. We were not safe. Uh, about 15 seconds in, he is over by the IV, and it's on wheels. And so he's just, like, playing with it, trips over it. It bumps up against the wall. We're like, this is not going to go well. And so we barricade that part of the room off, and so he's left in the room that has, like, the sink portion. And everything is automated now in those new rooms, which is great. You don't have to touch anything. It's not great when there's a toddler in there because there's no off button on anything. And so he discovered that if he waves his hand at the sink, water comes down. If he, and so he starts doing that. Water's just showing up all the time and he's splashing it everywhere, realizes that the soap dispenser, when he puts his hand there, this foamy soap comes down. So he starts doing that everywhere. And, and all this time, um, he's got rubber boots on that are tracking mud everywhere, all over the floor. So a nurse comes in at one point to check on Emily and looks at the floor. She's like, I'll be right back. And so she's mopping, like sweeping up our floor. I'm trying to mop up the puddle that's there now. He's like throwing soap over there in the corner. And I'm like, okay, we're done. This visit is over. It has been a pleasant 90 seconds and we are going to leave now. And so once again, scoop him up, and he starts screaming, and I just bribe. What, what can we do? What do you need? How can we get out of here? So I bribe him with Timbits. That's his new favorite thing right now. So we're going to wash down McDonald's with Timbits <laughs> on night one. And we finally make it back to the van, and we're just, all right, we're just getting out of here. We're going home, and we get to the gate for the parking thing that I totally forgot about. And so I got cars behind me, and I get up to the gate, and I... I just look at the man and I'm like, listen, I got, I got angry, dirty children. I just left my wife in that hospital. I got a loony to my name. Will you just let me out? And he didn't even say anything. He just hit the button and said, have a good night. He said it like a question. He said it like a question. It wasn't a statement. It was like, have a good night, maybe. I don't know if you will. 
Yeah, just God have mercy on that man's soul. What a good guy. He let me out of the hospital, and it was great. 100,000 hours of parenting, and there are still days when I think, am I better at this than when I started? Have you ever been there? Am I better at this than when I started? I'm not sure I should be parenting. There are many days when I'm not sure I can take care of myself, let alone all of the people that are currently in my care. And uh, that is what it feels like to be a parent, or at least that is what I'm learning. And uh, tonight we are going to talk about parenting. And like all of the other sermons in this series that we have talked about, just because that might not be your story right now, don't tune out. Just because you're not currently a parent or you might not want to be a parent, whatever that is, there's going to be something in here for all of us. And, and the topic of parenting is massive. There is no way that we could cover all of the things that you could get into tonight. So it's going to be kind of a, a basic overview and encouragement to parents in the Lord. It's going to be okay. Uh, there are a few things that have been more rewarding and more challenging in my life than parenting. Very few things. Nothing prepares you for the moment that a doctor hands you a baby, says congratulations, and leaves. And you're holding a human, and you understand that this, this child can do nothing, knows nothing, can say nothing, and its life is 100% dependent on whatever you do with it. And, and you got to raise this thing and teach this thing. And, and it's, no one, it's insane. No one asks if you're ready. The doctor's like, should you have this? No, it's just like, here's your child. Good luck. No application process, no license required, no written test, no hours put in for what, like there's, there's no screening process, there's no dress rehearsal. You can't get experience until you do it. And so the doctor hands you a baby and it's just like, you're on. And I remember being a kid and, and you just kind of assume that your parents have it all together, right? Like when you're six, when you're eight, you're like, no, nah, my parents got it. They know the answers. They got this thing down pat. And it took becoming a parent for me to realize, like, I think they were just winging it. <laughs> I, th I think we're all just kind of winging it. I'm not sure any of us really ever know what we're doing. And we've all been there where circumstances arise that you have never faced. And you're not, what, you know, what do I do in this moment? You've had kids go to the hospital. And you think, what do I do with this? How do I fix this? You've had kids crying home from school because... They've struggled academically, and it's kind of bruised their self-esteem. Or they come home crying because there's relational issues with their friends, and they're trying to sort out all the new drama that comes with relationships. Or they'll just ask you big, huge questions that you're not prepared for about life and death and heaven and hell and war and sex and all of the things. And you're just like, was there a manual that I missed? Did, did like people get any more heads up on this stuff than we did? And... Uh, it has been such a powerful reminder of, uh, to me so many times to remember and recognize that parenting was God's design, it was his plan, it was for us, and it's good. And there is so much blessing and joy and, and things to be learned through this act of parenting, not just for the kids, but for the parents that, that I was, all right, yeah, no, this is God's idea. And, and no matter how hard it gets, there are times when I need to remember that, that it Parenting is not punishment from the devil. It is a blessing from the Lord. <laughs> Few things have taught me more about the love of God than parenting. Few things have driven my knees to prayer than parenting. Few things have refined my soul and sanctified me more than parenting. God is good. He knows what he's doing. It is his design. And so we've got this. 
he knows how beneficial and sacred the relationship is between parents and their kids and the good that it can do for us. And, and if we ever think, I'm not sure how I got this, I don't know how I'm gonna do this, we remember that he is the one modeling it for us. He is our father, we are his children, and so we only ever have to look to him to know, okay, I guess this is how I should be doing it right now. Um, so that's what we wanna talk about today. How, how, can, how can God help us be the best and most effective parents possible, and what is it that he's wanting us to learn throughout this entire process? Here is our goal as parents, Proverbs 22.6. It says, direct your children onto the right path, and when they are older, they will not leave it. That, that, that's really every parent's desire. Parenting is an 18 or 19 or 38-year process of letting go of your kids. That's the goal, is that they will not be with you someday, and they're able to kind of function in life without you, and so Proverbs 22 is saying, when that day comes, that they will have been raised in such a way that they know what is good and right and true, and they will not depart from it. For us in the church, and for that, that verse, we understand that is that our kids would know and love and accept Jesus Christ and walk with him. That is all I want for my kids more than anything in the world. That is my goal as a dad, no matter how many times I mess things up, I just want them to know and love Jesus and walk with him forever. And that is a very daunting task. Uh, I always love this line from Pastor Andy Stanley. It says, your greatest contribution to the kingdom of God might not be something you do, but someone that you raise. And so there's a lot of power in that, but there is a lot of responsibility in that. And it is a daunting task. And so we're going to talk about that. Uh, the foundational truth that all of this rests on, again, is the incredible idea that God has entrusted us with his kids. Remember that every good gift is from God. Your kids are included in that. They are from him, created by him, have a purpose from him. They were gifted. Psalm 139 says they were knit together in their mother's womb, right? Your kids have been entrusted to you from God. Psalm 127.3 says children are a gift from the Lord. They are a reward from him. So no matter how hard it gets, no matter how exasperating the journey might be, God has given you those kids as a gift. It's non-refundable. Which means... And this, I have needed this reminder so many times in my life that God has given you exactly the right kids that he intended to. The kids that you have are the kids that he thought you were perfectly suited to raise. God does everything by design. There are no accidents. You have who you are supposed to have by the design of God. He has invited you into this act of parenting. He has blessed you with the kids that you have been given. That's the way he works. Everything God does is by design. He created the world. It was in order. He created our bodies. They have order. We talked about marriage. He designed it and said, this is how it's supposed to work. He designed sex. We talked about this a few weeks ago. and said, this, I created it. This is how it's supposed to work. And now with parenting, it's the same thing. He said, this is, this is my idea. This is how it's supposed to work. And this is all of the things that it is supposed to accomplish. So don't get discouraged on the journey because God himself believes you can do it. He has gifted you with those kids on purpose, says, this is the family I am entrusting to you. Steward this well. Honor me in the way that you do this. But we can do this with God helping us do this. He thinks we've got what it takes um, because he is the one who gives us the strength and the wisdom and the capacity to do what it takes. 
Uh, and here's why we need that reminder, because there is such incredible pressure that comes with parenting, isn't there? You ever felt the pressure to be a certain kind of parent, to, to say the certain kind of thing or do the thing that all the other parents are doing? Uh, you, you, like, you, you have to raise a human, and however they turn out, you're going to feel at least partly responsible for it. You could, you could debate nature and nurture all day long and say at some point that kid becomes their own and make their own decision and whatever, but every parent is shouldering the burden with the thought of, I have the capacity to make or break this child. I sure hope I don't break this child. Uh, and, and so parenting has this massive subculture of books and blogs and like all the, the mommy bloggers and the podcasts and the advice columns and the nutritional ideas and all the, everyone's weighing in with their two cents all the time on parenting. And uh, I remember trying to put our baby seat in the car for the very first time and uh, just like had 23 people tell you to do it 23 different ways. And they're all like, it's going to take four to six hours. You're going to need a jackhammer and duct tape. You better call the fire department to get them to approve it and come over and have a... It's like, yeah, they got all the time in the world to come look at my car seat. And it was just this crazy, daunting, pressure-filled task. And that was for one thing. That was just for the car seat. And, and you start wading into all the, well, you should only have them in cloth diapers, and you should only have them listen to classical music, and they should only eat handmade organic vegan slime, and they should only do all the nap for as long as the sun is aligned at an angle in the sky. It's like witchcraft. It's like this parenting subculture is this bizarre cult, and it's, uh, it, it's weird and demanding and intrusive, and my stubborn nature has blocked it out and criticized it so many times that I still go back and think, but am I doing it right? Am I doing this okay? Should I be doing all the things that I'm supposed to be doing? The pressure is crazy, and so be encouraged, parents, that this is what God has called you to do. He has equipped you to do it. There is a gift in it for you. He is teaching us, refining us, and blessing us all throughout this entire process. Isaiah 41.10, such a good promise. It says, don't be afraid, for I am with you. Don't be discouraged, for I am your God, and I will strengthen you and help you, and I will hold you up with my victorious right hand. I bet most of you maybe have heard that verse, never in a parenting context. It is totally a parenting context. <laughs> Don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged. I am with you. It's my strength you need. It's my wisdom that I'll give you. You have got what it takes. God never gives you something with the intent to fail, but he does give it to us with the intent that we will depend on him and rely on him to find things that we didn't have within us without him to help us do this job. So that's kind of the truth that everything is built on today that we're going to talk about. This is God's plan, and we can do it. Now, so that being said, the first and best thing you can do for your children, parents, the first and best things you can do for your kids is love Jesus. Right? And, and initially you might think, well, I, shouldn't I spend more time with my kids? Isn't that the best thing? Yet? No. The best thing you can do for your kids is spend time with Jesus. Every, everything is going to flow out of that relationship. You need to lean into that relationship. That is where your strength and your peace and your wisdom and your grace, all of that is going to flow from your relationship with Christ. And if that relationship is weak or non-existent or back burner, then your parenting is going to suffer. You need Jesus to do this the absolute best that you can. And, uh, and so, yes, you should spend all, all kinds of time with your kids, but never at the expense of your relationship with Jesus Christ. Do not damage your walk with Jesus because of your kids. 
And that will be the same when they are one year old and four years old and 13 years old and they've got 48 things on the calendar and you've got to track them all over the universe. Don't ever sacrifice your walk with Jesus to keep up with your relationship with your kids. The best thing you can do for your kids is love Jesus. They need you to need him. Your kids need you to need Jesus. And, and so if, Psalm, if Proverbs 22 is going to be true, if you want your kids to walk on the right path, then you need to be on that path. You, you can't expect your kids to walk a certain way if you're not also walking the same way. Um, it's that whole classic idea, and we've all said this to our kids at some point, don't, don't do as I do, just do as I say. Kids are smart, and they figure it out, right? Kids are watching, they are unbelievably perceptive, they see it all, and they hear it all, and they can put it all together, don't fall for the lie that, that they will not do as you do, they will do as you do, <laughs> every single time. And so we say, obey us! Obey us. It's in the Bible. Colossians 3.20. Children, always obey your parents, for this pleases the Lord. Don't you want to please the Lord? Obey your parents. That's what we say to our kids. But obedience doesn't just mean do as I say. They're going to do as you also do. Kids are sponges and kids are parrots, which means that they are absorbing and taking in everything that they see and everything that they hear, and then they will repeat it, whether you want them to or not, often at the most inopportune times possible. Uh, I got frustrated with the dog the other day. This is a couple weeks ago now. He wanted to go out, and then he wanted to come in. Then he wanted to go out, and then he wanted to come in. I'm just, just kind of offhandedly muttered to no one in particular, you stupid dog. And the two-year-old was right there. And he goes, stupid dog. <laughs> I was like, shoot, that is not good. And then you think, well, they'll forget that. They'll forget that. They will not. They will make a Broadway musical out of it that's two and a half hours long. Three days later, he was walking up and down the hallway going, stupid dog, stupid dog. And I'm like, one of the girls actually asked, where did he learn that word? I'm like, you know TV nowadays. Unbelievable. <laughs> Unbelievable. So here's what we can learn from this. Whatever you want to see in your kids needs to be in you. Whatever you want to see in them needs to be in you. You can't ask of your children what you are not willing to do. So if you want church to be a priority for your kids then you should come to church regularly, right? I remember as a kid growing up and had friends that their parents would just drop them off and leave. And I always thought, oh, that's a little weird. Why, is, why would they do that? Well, they want church to be a priority for them. <laughs> Kids aren't going to fall for it. I don't know if, if we're not tithing enough or what, but we can't afford a full bottle of water. <laughs> it's not going to get me through. Um, so yeah, if you want church to be a priority for them, it needs to be one for you. If you want your kids to respect their leaders and their authority, then you better watch your attitude when you speak about your leaders and your authority. Because they're listening. They're watching. If you want your kids to work hard, you should volunteer. No one likes that one. <laughs> if you want your kids to be generous, you should give freely. You can't be super stingy your whole life and then be like, why don't you share with your siblings? Because you don't. If you want your kids to be honest, you should live with integrity. This is hard, isn't it? If you want your kids to pursue God, then you should be pursuing God. Because your kids will not just do as you say, they will do as you do, and what you want to see in them will need to be in you also. The best thing you can do for your kids is love Jesus because they will see that and know that and want that and walk in that. It used to frighten me a little bit 
when my kids would grow up and they would do things or say things that would remind me of me. You ever done that? Like you see your kid do something, and you're like, oh, you're just like your father. Um, and, and sometimes we kind of laugh at that and talk about it like it's a bit of an insult. <laughs> like, oh, your kids are just like their father. And it dawned on me, if I'm living a way that I am proud of, then I shouldn't be afraid that my kids are living like me. I should be glad. Right? Live a life that your kids would want to copy. That's good advice. Someone saying, your kids act just like you shouldn't be an insult. It could be a compliment. Live a life that your kids would want to emulate. If you want it to be in them, it needs to be in you. Next best thing you can do for your children is to love your spouse. <laughs> the, the two best things you can do for your kids has nothing to do with your kids. It is love Jesus, and then next, it is love your spouse. Your kids need your marriage to be strong. Your kids need your marriage to be stable. Your kids need to see mom and dad live a life that is kind and compassionate and honorable and respectable and fun and good. It is so unbelievably important for your kids. The, man, it, it's, the most important thing I can do for my kids is love their mom. Right? They need to see that relationship on display and in a way that is good and honoring and kind and, and physical. I love kissing my wife in front of my kids because they hate it. You're like, oh, gross, Dad. It's good for you. You'll be glad I did this someday. Right? But what an incredible honor it would be to have your kids grow up and think, I want, a parent, I want a marriage like my parents had. Isn't that the goal? I want a marriage like my parents had. Some of you were raised in homes that did not have that as a gift. You get the opportunity to do that now for your kids. What a privilege and an opportunity that is. The New Testament almost never addresses parenting and kids until it first talks about husbands and wives. And it's as if the Bible is saying, first, get this figured out. Wives, obey your husbands and respect them and submit to them and all that good stuff. Husbands, same thing for your wives. Lay down your life for them. Respect her and love her and treat her well. And once that's figured out, the Bible is like, okay, now let's talk about parenting. Like, there's, a, there's an order to this. There's a, there's a way that this is supposed to go. Uh, Ephesians 6.1 says, children, obey your parents because you belong to the Lord for this is the right thing to do. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. If you honor your father and mother, things will go well for you, and you will have a long life on the earth. Memorize that, because I have used that on my kids, and it's great. Now, you see that relationship there? It's honor your father and mother. It's obey your parents, father and mother. The, the, the relationship that's on display here is a parental unit as a whole, made up of both people, both parties. And so it's husband and wife working together, raising the kids together, doing this the best that they can so that the children will want that and see that and know that it is good. And so I don't need to talk about the importance of marriage because we did that a few weeks ago. You can go back and listen to that one. Uh, but your kids need your marriage to be strong. Your kids need to see you love your spouse well. Um, they're going to develop a picture of marriage that is largely based on yours. So would your kids, would you want your kids to want your marriage? Now, I understand that as we talk about that, it is a very sensitive topic because some of you are single parents, some of you have stories that are all over the place, and I know that's not a one-size-fits-all kind of comment right here, and so shout out to all the single moms and dads who are pulling overtime, and we are gonna pray a massive blessing over you today and uh, God will give you strength for that stuff. People don't know what that road is like to walk until they have done it. 
And so um, this, this kind of leads into the next point of the importance of needing a village to help raise your children. You can't do this alone, single or married. You should not be the only influence in your kid's life. They need more. That they need more people around them. Um, you've, you've heard the old adage, right? It takes a village to raise a child. And that is so true. And I have been unbelievably grateful for all the people who have loved my kids, encouraged my kids, prayed over my kids, played with my kids, babysat my kids. Uh, they are not who they are today without that village. And, and we have leaned on that, and it has been so good so many times. This is why the Bible talks so much about the church being a family, being a body together, doing this as a unit. Uh, Romans 12, 4 says, Just as our bodies have many parts, and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body, and we all belong to each other. Right? We all belong to each other. Family, together. There's an important thing there, and Paul elaborates on the next dozen verses or so and just says, so some of you are gifted with things and you should do it. If you, if you are a gifted encourager, encourage well. If you're a teacher, then go teach well. If you're a giver, then, then give generously and, and on and on. But then he starts making some pretty general statements to the whole body and he says this in verse 13. When God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice hospitality. And it's not specifically a parenting verse, but it is. Be ready to help them with whatever they're going through, whatever season of life they're in, whatever stage that requires, and always be eager to practice hospitality. Take people in, give them a break, watch their kids, make them a meal. We had a church family bring us a meal this week so that I could feed my kids something that was not McDonald's, and it was wonderful. Legitimately praised the Lord and danced a jig. It was great. Small things can go so far at just the right time from the right people. We all belong to one another. We all got to do this together. You, you are not the only influence in your children's life. Um, and so I think a single parent's here too as well. I bet they would love a night alone. Or alone as in away from their kids. I bet they would enjoy some peace and quiet. I bet they would enjoy uh, just, just being, having the opportunity to have rest, to be spoken words of encouragement. Right? You have no idea how something so small, like, can I watch your kids for the night, is such a massive miracle to so many families. You have the opportunity to do this. We belong to one another. That's why I like when we dedicate babies up here, there, there's a part of that reading that talks about the whole sanctuary being involved in that, knowing that we all have a little bit of a role to play as other people raise their children. We get to see them. We get to model Christ for them. We get to pray over them. We get to assist in kids' ministry with them. We, we get to do all these things. We're all kind of doing this together, and it is so huge. So that means that there's a lot of non-parents parenting, and we need them to. So if you're here and you're not a parent, this is so huge for you to be able to step up and say, I'm, I'm not a parent, but I'll, I'll be a spiritual parent. I'll be someone who loves your kids and watches over them and, and prays for them and whatever it is, I am unbelievably grateful for all the non-parent parents that my kids have had. Huge, hugely important. So if that is your role, if that's what you think you can play, don't forsake that calling. It is unbelievably necessary. Now, I will say this as a bit of a small warning. As important as the church is, to parenting your children, it should never replace your role as the parent to your children, especially in the faith component. Do you understand what I mean? 
The church is not supposed to be who raises your children in the Lord. That is the parent's job. Um, we have your children for one hour a week. There are 168 hours in a week. The church has them for one. You have them for 167. It is important that you are the one who is instilling the gospel into your children. And I know just from experience as a youth pastor that there would be parents who would drop their kids off and be like, can you fix them? Is there anything you can do for them? And, and, and kind of laughing and then kind of not. And, and just like my kids are making bad decisions. They're, they're acting out right now. And I, can you just do more? Can you schedule more activities? Why aren't you doing more? And it was just kind of this like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I, I, I don't know how to handle some of that stuff. Um, there, there's a lot there. And the church should be a part of it, absolutely. But man, the, the onus on the parents is so, so strong, so obvious, so necessary. You think about the, the whole month of May, Right? So far in May, you guys have perfect church attendance. Job well done. Job well done. By the end of this month, if you have come every single weekend, we will have had your kids for four hours. You will have had them 668. What happens in your home is more important than what happens in church. Do not depend on the church to teach your kids about Jesus. They can, we cannot be the sole responsibility for your kids' faith. Crosspoint Church will not stand before God and have to give an account on how we raised your kids. You will have to do that. It is on us to do this for our children. Um, and so we are supplementary. We are an encouragement. We are a support. We should be there alongside of you. Um, but but we're, we're not responsible for raising your children in the Lord. And we still have people ask, like, could, could we do more for kids? Is there more we could do? Is there midweek programs, activities, things? Um, and, and I think oftentimes that just comes from a desire to some degree of childcare. Can you just give me a night? Um, but but that there is a degree where our answer is no, because we already live in an unbelievably overschedulized, highly busy culture. And your kids don't need any more time with us. They need it with you. They need that time with you at home, around the dinner table. Right? You, you've got to take advantage of the small window of time that you've got every week to raise your children and to point them to Jesus. And so we, we don't want to overschedule church to such a degree that you see your kids less. We want to do church to such a degree that you see your kids more and, and you can be strengthened and encouraged in your faith as you kind of have that relationship with them. That being said, church is unbelievably important. So huge. Um, and, and the church and family together are a very powerful force, which makes sense because God designed the family and said, this is a picture of the gospel to the world. And God designed the church and said, this is a picture of the gospel to the world. So you put them together, you've got a pretty fantastic thing. So the church and the family working together can be unbelievably effective and powerful. And so together in partnership, it works wonderfully. But don't lean too heavily on the church as an institution Kids need their parents so, so hugely. And so I'm grateful for this church, the way that it has loved my kids and has led my kids, but I recognize that as my role as father, I also am loving and leading my kids. Uh, we have a growing kids ministry at the church. We averaged in the month of April over 100 kids every weekend uh, across our, our campuses and our services. Uh, we need way more non-parent parents or parent parents to step up and help us pour into them and show them Jesus and love them. Um, 
there are more people that need to play a role with that. And this is not a, I'm not closing my sermon with a recruitment announcement. Pastor Matt did not pay me money to say any of this. Um, but it's important to recognize that as key a role as the church plays in your kid's life, we can only do it if the church steps up and says, I will help do that. And it is not something that we should beg people. Oh, we need people to go help downstairs. What a privilege and a gift to be able to pray over other people's kids, point them to Jesus, and show them a way. Your kids need so many influences in your life, and so we get to do that. And so parents, be encouraged today that God has gifted you with parenting. He has gifted you with your kids. He has empowered you and equipped you to do whatever it is you need to do with his strength, his wisdom, his power, his grace, and his mercy. His mercies are new every morning, and every parent says every morning, amen. Lord, get me through in whatever I can do. So lean on others, lean into the church, pray your face off, because you only have a small window of time before your kids will someday walk out the door. And I've had people tell me that so many times. Oh, just, they'll be gone in the blink of an eye. And there are many times in my life where I was like, it's not happening fast enough. And now I see it happening and I'm like, oh man, I've only got a handful of years left with some of these kids. Lord, help me. Help me to honor you in the way that I raise the kids that you have entrusted me, that you believe I can do this with your help, with the church's help. God, help us. Amen. Amen. Let me pray for us. God. You are so good, and you have been the perfect parent to us, and you are a good father, and we are grateful for that. But God, I also pray right now for all the parents in this room that feel like they don't have what it takes, that feel like they are ill-equipped or failing or tired or weary or whatever the, the case might be, just overburdened. God, I pray right now a huge prayer of blessing over our parents, a, a blessing of strength and of rest and of encouragement, of peace, and of wisdom. I pray that you would fill their homes with, with your spirit in such a tangible, powerful way. Uh, I pray for uh, all the problems that they're navigating and all the things that they're wrestling with. If they're trying to figure out how to, how to lead one of their children through this, that, or the other thing, I, I pray that, that even in this weekend, that these parents would feel you helping them, speaking to them, leading them, God, I pray for our single parents today, God, that you would just pour out an extra measure of your goodness over them, that you would give them rest, that you would give them reassurance, that they would know you are with them, continue to watch over their futures and help them to know that you are navigating everything in a way that is good and perfect for them. God, I pray for those that have had their kids go out the doors and, and maybe have left their parents brokenhearted with the decisions they've made and the choices they're living with right now. God, I, again, I pray a, a blessing over them, that you would give them peace, that you would give them wisdom, that you would give them patience beyond understanding. What an unbelievable responsibility you have given us, but you've given it to us because you believe we can do it with your help. And so we ask for your help. May this church be a beautiful picture of what it looks like to do this together as a family. And we ask for your help in this. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.